Hey everyone, it's Alex Kessler, your host of the Masters of Modern Podcast. I am talking to you today because we have a sponsor this week. It is wizardryfoundry.com. They are the makers of the Grimoire deck box, uh, which is the cool, leather-bound, fancy book. goes on your bookshelf, but also you can open it up and it holds a thousand cards. That's a thousand cards, the whole cube. That's uh, our modern gauntlet. I've also held an entire EDH collection of EDH decks. Uh, really cool. They also make a smaller one that's great. It's the Pro Tour Grimoire Box. It's meant for like two decks instead of a giant cube. Uh, it's a little bit more manageable. And they're also, uh, keep an eye out because they're coming out with cool 3D printed deck boxes. Uh, Bat ben is getting a Batman one, or so he said during the podcast you're about to hear. And I got a cool one with an X-Wing on it because Star Wars is the sweetest, way cooler than Batman. Hashtag Star Wars over Batman. Uh, and yeah, so check them out. Uh, go to wizardryfoundry.com. If you use the code FEB4, FEB4, you can get 25% off for the next seven days. Check them out. And thank you guys for listening. And check out our awesome guest. Big thank you to the professor. He was great. And you'll be able to hear all of his sweet professor stylings on the episode that's about to happen. Thanks, guys. Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult. But prepare to have your questions answered. For you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Eldrazi Winter. Uh, it's very cold. It's very cold here. I'm wearing a big parka. We can't even make a Game of Thrones jokes because win winter, winter is here. here. Winter has come. Yeah. Uh, as And joining us with the winter, uh, the wonderful professor from Tolarian Communicology. Oh, Tulare oh, Community hello. College. How are you? I, I, I'm well. I'm well, uh, except in terms of my enjoyment of modern at the moment. In which case, I am not well. I am feeling quite ill. But I feel like I feel like you wear like a three-piece professor suit all the time. Aren't you like at least dressed correctly for the cold? Uh, I don't think that there are enough layers in the world for Eldrazi Winter. Do you guys think that uh, back on the Game of Thrones references again? Um, <laughs> that that uh, and this is a spoiler alert. But uh, do you guys think that, uh, that? Wait, wait, wait! For the next for ten seconds, next twenty seconds, skip ahead if you haven't watched last season of the Game of Thrones. Go. No, this is uh, the no, first no, 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 no. Oh. Uh, uh, the television show is now skipping ahead of the books, and therefore, if you're referring to anything from the television show, you need to warn book readers about spoilers because they have now passed so far that watching the TV show puts you ahead of the book readers and so if you're a book reader talking about the television show is giving spoilers not the other way around my joke is getting progressively worse uh, <laughs> I, I, I then my work here is done is splinter twin Ned Stark is that what happened are, are we in winter yeah. now yeah, I think. Yeah, it, yeah. no, I, can, I think we can talk about that. I, yeah. yes. Wait, wait, wait. What's the spoiler? That was from 1989. Oh my god! Like some people are like, some you're, so you're like. I didn't know the joke. I didn't know what I was gonna say. I yeah. was expecting some Jon Snow based right this conversations. A, we can probably just take all of this out of the podcast. Let's start talking about Eldrazi Winter. I mean, we could. No, no, no. We're keeping it all in. <laughs> we, all right, we go live now. So today, uh, I actually had this whole thing where I was gonna make you do like news tape sounds like and then i was gonna be like that's just, whole, just yeah. a whole news intro thing but that didn't happen uh but we're talking about three things we're pretty much talking about all the things that happened in the news recently we've had we have two two supplemental sets announced for this summer we have uh a eldrazi menace taking over the format it's taken over take taken over the format yeah. it has it's just it's kind of like silumgar right Lagin on his lounge splinter twin is uh the Tassiger necklace around his neck. Hmm. Yep. I, I, I'd say the 
modern format is the Tassiger necklace around uh, his neck I can, at this point. Uh, yeah, I can go with that. So, yeah. so before we get onto all those greatness, I want to let all of you guys know that you should follow us on Twitter. We have a Twitter account. Yeah. At the Evan Cast. You guys have been finding us recently yeah. and tweeting at us. It's been very fun. It's, uh, it's I like, think I tweeted our statistics for last month. And it was like blatantly larger by, I think... 700 percent than the previous month yeah i mean it's just like with the bit with the banning and the pro tour this is kind of our season so it makes sense that but it's it's been really really fun and and uh meeting you guys on twitter and interacting and and i'm gonna go on a podcast soon kessler did you know that you get the guest on a podcast oh is this your first time (laughs) (laughs) all right uh second and more importantly and this is a more of a big thank you because there's been a bunch of people that donated to our Patreon and it's awesome and you guys should check it out if you haven't. Uh, there's cool stuff you can get, like a swag box that guarantees a Masters of Modern playmat and then gets into cool things. I cannot promise this will happen, but it's what? possible that I might attempt to commission Spellskite plushes and send them in a future month. Yeah. So just keep that, keep your eyes on that. I like that future. idea a lot. Um, I was going to say on the subject of the Patreon, we're going to have the additional content that we've been talking about now coming very soon because the first month of donation is ending and we started midway through the month but uh we started like i mean we start yeah sure yeah so when march hits like we'll send stuff out and we'll do the the first bit of extra content which i think we'll do some video i think we're pretty excited but the point is uh really to hit like like we didn't set like a stretch goal like a true stretch goal based on the number of people that actually listen to the podcast we pretty much just assumed that like a small number would donate like, and, like seven. Yeah. So the gist of this whole operation. <laughs> Way more than seven have donated. And by more than, I think it's round 20. Well, the gist like of it is like. more. If a I few. Math. If like several hundred of the listeners of this podcast donated five bucks a month each, which is like kind of the gravy. That's like the gravy donation level because you get like the deck tax, the additional episodes. You get pretty much everything without getting the extra, extra stuff. Yeah. You don't get you don't get products. You don't get to read a message on the podcast. But I mean, as far as like what really we're going to be doing, you get most of it for five bucks. If several hundred of the people in the podcast did that, it would mean Kessler and I would attend every modern Grand Prix. We would do like meet and greets. We would do live streaming video podcasts. Like you can go look at the Patreon and see. We don't really have a crazy stretch goal. It's like pretty localized. So you guys should do that because then it's just going to mean you'll get like three and four times as much content uh, and it wouldn't wouldn't be that big of a tax. So right. thank you for the ones that have thus far and uh, Woo! go find it. I think it's patreon.com slash the MMcast, right? Yeah, that'd be yeah. My, my, my guess. And... uh Last but not least, make sure to check out the Command Zone. They do awesome stuff. They do sweet videos with actually the professor who's on the podcast right now. Why don't you talk about your sweet videos, the uh, kitchen table fables? Yeah, well, uh, that's largely the brainchild of Josh Lee Kwai, which uh, is the kitchen table fables that uh, we did one episode on my channel at Tolarian Community College and then two more episodes on the Command Zone YouTube channel, and they were uh, well-received. I would definitely recommend checking them out. If you haven't checked them out, you can literally just type into YouTube Kitchen Table Fables and you'll see all three of them pop out. If you have not seen all three, if you have missed one of them, then there is one more for you to watch because we did piggyback it between our two channels to spread it out. And new episodes of that are coming up because uh, Josh and Jimmy are going to be traveling up in my direction and a few additional secret guest stars will be joining us. And we're going to try and produce not just three, but more than three Hmm. episodes on this. It's tough because we all live far apart. For the last set, I flew down to L.A. to film with them. And because our special guest stars live up near me, 
this time it's their turn to have to put everything in a suitcase for the weekend and come up here, and we're going to see maybe, maybe, maybe we can actually get more than three episodes done. They take a lot of time because we got some some high-quality effects work being done, color matching, and other things that I have no idea about, which, again, Josh handles, but uh, they're a lot of fun, well-received. Check them out if you haven't seen all three. Make sure you catch the missing one because I yeah. think people have seen two of three. Okay, yeah, and I'm in one of them. Just mm. FYI, I show up as a handsome. You are, a handsome and and, knight and with a do real you remember? Sword. Do you remember your character's name? Yeah, I was the knight. Of course, knight. I remember. I would never you forget. Had, <laughs> you had the real sword. Yeah. Everything else was fake, and we were just every five seconds. It was just like, and be careful with the sword. Yeah, I think be I think I made it a more sword, a more difficult production because the entire time we were afraid I was just going to stab someone. Though there's a yeah. scene where I like throw it like angrily at the ground like a spear and it just like stabs into the ground and looks great yeah it's got a flag on the end um quick yeah. quick aside thought Kessler, where, <laughs> where can folks find you personally aside from our podcast oh at Kess wiley and on i Twitter. am at ben bateman media and professor where can the folks find you personally well, personally, they could find me at my home, but I don't feel comfortable giving that address <laughs> out. So I'm going to say that the best place to find me is actually at Tularean Community College on YouTube. But if you want a more personal interaction, then I am on Twitter, at Tularean College. Uh, and so you can go there. I also have a MySpace page and a Friendster page, but let's just focus on the Twitter. Okay, <laughs> okay. On the Twitter, yeah. Professor, I don't have any money, but I, what I do have is a set of skills, and I will find you and have you sign this deck box so that I have a signed deck box from you. It dep- What kind of deck box is it? Uh, You're not even doing the Liam Neeson voice. This is I such can't a do way. a Liam Neeson voice. I can do the Liam Neeson voice. We'll do, a, do it. No, I'll save it for later. See, yeah, You're dodging, you. You're Call, dodging yeah, the dodging question. It. I want right. to know what kind of deck box this is here. <laughs> What's the deck box that you use, sir? Oh my! I, right now, I've been using yeah. uh, fat packs, pretty exclusively fat packs. Oh no, I use the Ultra Pro, the Ultra Pro hard case ones that have like the bottom tray with dice mm. and then right. the top. Those are sweet. Um, All right, fat then, packs get a no pass grade. The Ultra Pro Satin Tower A grade. I mean, the fat packs aren't even a deck box. True. You pick oh, that's your where modern my, decks. My, How much does a modern deck cost? And you put that in a fat pack box. Spend ten bucks, get an Ultra Pro Satin Tower. No, no, no those are those are my commander decks. Because there's so many of them. <laughs> oh well, everybody knows commander decks are dirt cheap. So yeah, absolutely. I got oh. one of those. Uh, what are those? What's that? What's that company? They make the cool like flap over with like the red felt on the inside. Deck decks. Ult- ultimate ultimate guard uh, or dex <clears throat> protection. Dex De- protection uses a velvet interior. Dex protection. That's what I got. Yeah, those things are sweet. Oh, we, those we, are very sweet. I guess I will plug. Technically, we have a sponsor, and I, he is giving me on Thursday a 3D printed. They're doing new 3D printed deck boxes. Their new thing they're trying to accomplish yes. doing for people. So you have custom ones. Uh, Wizardry Foundry's 3D printed deck box. I will have it. It'll have an X-wing on the front. So It'll as well be as sweet. the other things we've already mentioned, uh, check out those because I think it's like a product that's like coming pretty soon. I maybe have one also coming. Did I negotiate that? Like a Batman one, maybe? I think you got a Batman one. Oh, sweet. This will be awesome. Yeah. I'm super excited. Good. All right. Now, let's talk about what we're supposed to talk about today. First off, easiest one, two supplemental sets this summer. The first one we kind of missed because we recorded last week's episode early, so we'll talk about it. Eternal Masters was announced. Uh, what do you guys feel about that? How do you guys feel about Eternal Masters? Go ahead, Professor. You jump in first. Uh, I have many opinions on this, all of them strong. I feel as though I am pessimistic because we have had not one but two modern masters, and we all know the routine at this point. The cards that you want 
will not all be included, and those that are will be shifted in rarity to Mythic. So all your dream reprints that are not on the reserve list, expect there to be at best, one per box at the Mythic Rarity, which is what I find very depressing because it defeats the purpose of providing adequate reprints. I also feel that we've learned from Modern Masters that this will be designed with draft in mind, meaning get ready for a lot of commons and uncommons that see no legacy or modern play. And so I, I, and I hate to be a sourpuss, and that's me being a real sourpuss, and everyone right now is booing me and saying I'm, I'm a total, boo. you know, like wet boo. I'm a wet blanket, but someone has to do it, because everybody's like, hi, 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 you need one voice of dissent, that'll be me. I feel pessimistic about this. I hope, hope, hope that this helps not just legacy, but modern, because there has been the door left open that there could be some needed modern reprints in Eternal Masters as well, and I am primarily a modern player. I do play Legacy, but I am primarily a modern player, so, I mean, I really hope to get that, but I was sorely disappointed with the effect that both Modern Masters had on providing us with reprints, and so I'm looking forward to it, but cautiously. Well, cautiously. I, see, my response to that is, is this, like, Looking at the, the Twitter reaction after the announcement and the way that people... There was a lot of pessimism regarding the fact that, like, this is going to encourage interest to some degree in Legacy, but because of the lack of dual lands, it's not going to do anything but drive up the price of the non-included cards for new players that do want to get in, and especially drive up the price of dual lands, which is not advantageous to any new player wanting to get in Legacy. My response to that is, their hands are tied in that regard. They, there's nothing they can do. It's not... Wizards doesn't have in mind that it is better for them... To necessarily kill legacy it's like i when they say they're not trying to kill legacy i believe them the thing is their alternative to not trying to provide another format which is why they've pushed modern so hard is because they want that eternal why they format. created it they want that eternal format that people like the thing is there's nothing they can do the best thing they can do is take wasteland and take force of will and put them into a reprint set so that the people that don't have them will get them but ultimately this is not about making legacy approachable to the layman this is about just providing I think this is most valuable, honestly, to a commander audience than anyone else. Mm. So, so, well, so I guess here's here's the real question. This is the first one. Who is this set really for? Because I personally believe that this isn't for vintage and legacy players. I think they're calling it eternal because they get to give that blanket statement, and they're they are including Force of Will and Wasteland, and it'll probably include some draft archetypes that are kind of centered around vintage Stone and Forge Mystical probably and other sets. But I I think this is much more for Cube and Commander. Yeah, than that's, anything else. that's that's what yeah. I'm with. I, that's totally where I'm at. And so, and specifically Cube, which when you mentioned the different draft archetypes and how it's going to be built for draft, and that might not be as much of a net positive similar to Modern Masters. I think it'll be better here because they're going to be building this set more with Cube in mind than anything else. I also just like the way that they've thus far. Like I think that the Modern Master sets the way they've handled those reprints has been pretty beautiful because I like the fact that it hasn't tanked the economy. Uh, in some cases, it's driven the price up on certain cards. It has, for a time, during certain seasons, driven the price down on cards we wanted to see the price driven down on. So the people that want those cards that need to buy those cards, if they do it correctly, do get a deal. I mean, they can they can get a deal. You could get Goyce for cheaper at a time. There was there were certainly cards like... Goyce is harder to say that too, but you definitely can look at stuff like Aether Vile. Or Cryptic and Command. Cryptic Command and uh, Ravager. And cards like Daybreak Coronet, where like the demand was not so high that you were able to tank the price on it. And, and the... I didn't think that it mattered so much that it tanked the price on cards like Daybreak Coronet, so that's okay with me. Um, 
But I'm excited for Eternal Masters. I mean, I, it'll be nice to as long as there are foil versions. Have they confirmed there are foil versions of cards in the set? Yeah, but that, yeah, yeah. But your reasoning for that is different. There's than... there's one there's one foil per pack. They've all similar said, to Masters, just like with Modern Masters. Got it. Uh, so just to again, as I seem to always love to do, play devil's advocate right. in terms of uh, uh, legacy. I, I've had <laughs> I've I've had this conversation with some, and I do play a little bit of Legacy, but I I've had this conversation with some Legacy fanatics, uh, uh, the 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 legends of Legacy, you might call them, and they did bring up the point that uh, even though dual lands are not being reprinted, there are a lot of Legacy decks that do not need or even run as in optimal builds, dual lands. Like, not just a few outliers, but there's quite a few legacy decks that can function without dual lands, and that you, if you are looking to get into legacy and you are using Eternal Masters, now we don't know what's going to be in the set, but if you are using Eternal Masters as that jumping-in point where prices are going to have that, as you describe, momentary blip where they go down and availability goes up and this and that, that there's more than several legacy deck options that do not require those uh, dual land cards. And so when I, I do understand the argument of this is going to drive up prices of uh, the reserved list cards, which it already has, and I do understand and sympathize with the call for there to be a legacy with the entire reserved list just banned already, but I see entry points into legacy that don't require those cards. I think, you know, I mean, how many legacy decks can you name that don't require dual lands? There's actually a significant number of them. Dredge, Fish, Burn, Elves. Right. Uh, oh, wow, that's five Hawks. without even having, six without even Belcher? having to think about it. Belcher. Belcher uh, Belcher's Belcher's has one. Has one Taiga. But that's fine. Oh. Like, one Taiga is not exactly breaking the brink. And it's uh, tight. Right. I mean, Elves has has Gaia's Cradle, which is a different high-profile expensive card. That's another issue, I suppose. <laughs> um, uh, Death and Taxes has a port, right? Port's on the reserve ports, list, isn't it? No, no. no port's port's, on port's on not on the reserve list. Port's not on the reserve port's list. One well, Crocus the... isn't on the reserve list. So so Death and Taxes has Cavern, Wasteland, Rishton Port. So that's an... And Death and Taxes and Legacy Mud is, is another one. No, there yeah, are so definitely... So look at all these decks. Yeah, yeah. So I can, I can easily describe a metagame without the dual lands. You can even... I think I was on the Legacy Weapon podcast, and we talked about how Storm could probably get away with... Um, the blue black uh, mirrored and scars of mirrored and fast land instead of a dual land if it needed to. Yeah, I mean, look, you realistically, realistically, when you talk to some people, there are some legacy decks. People like, for instance, Candelabra of Thanos is an expensive <laughs> card that prevents people from playing it to some to some point where they will choose other decks because of that. And yeah, that's it. You'll sometimes see people play high tide, and they'll, are you saying are you playing it with Candelabra or not? And look, you could imagine that in a few years, Legacy still exists, and you just see less people playing with dual lands, and those decks that don't require them just become harder. To, yeah, less less of the metagame. It just you just when somebody shows up with a Rug Delver list, it's like, well, they can play it, and right. that's what's happening. Yeah. and well, and and, and if, when I've when I've talked to people, and when I got into Legacy, the 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 path to Legacy is getting Wasteland first, because by getting Wasteland, you can play almost any of the decks that aren't using dual lands to some degree and then you get force of will because then you open up an entire other level and then then you slowly pick up one or two dual lands and you could also supplement your mana bases in legacy with fetch lands i mean when i was playing i got three wastelands i got four force of wills and i had like all all the fetches i needed in two underground seas and that was pretty much the gist of it and i kind of knew from that point like okay i'll borrow the wasteland that i need and i can pretty much build what i want now like 
give or take, I should be able to be just fine. And I didn't really need to go much beyond that. So, I mean, the barrier to entry is high, no, but it's I, not I definitely, insane. I definitely think yeah. this set can supplement. And it's one of the reasons I actually think Merfolk was saved from Modern Masters 2 Merfolk. for this. Sorry, I, obligatory. No, yeah, no, you have to. You have to support yeah, the Merfolk yeah. tribe. I think that's yeah, obligatory in your contract. Eight. Go on, go yeah, on. Yeah, no, they did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I do think they were saved for Eternal Masters from Masters of Modern, knowing that they were going to be, or Modern Masters, <laughs> that they were going to be using it for the set because classically Merfolk has been more of a legacy deck and only recently in the last year and a half or so has become a modern staple. Oh, you think you think we're going to see a, a Merfolk uh, a tribal theme in there because that works for draft and also is a viable non-dual uh, land deck, eh? Uh, Correct, I would love yeah. to see that. I could... I could use I could, some some spiffy new uh, Marrow Regeries. Mine has a little ding on it. That's, nice, that's maybe cool. it, it would be a nice place for them to give us Silver Gill Adepts for a dollar and then cards Curse like that. Curse Catcher, Silver Gill Adept. I also could see Elves being... Because, like, classically they do... Elves, yeah. They do, like, one to three... Or, like, three tribal decks. And I could see Eternal Masters being, like, this is Magic's history, having both Goblins, Elves, and Merfolk. You Just, throw, like, hit the three out there. You throw Mutavald in there, it drops it back down into, like, the $12, $13 yeah. range from 25 Like, it... I can... I mean, yeah. Okay, you could... Completely. I, I get it. And it's, it's fine. And I'll play... I'll play... The, the crap what, out of it. I can't wait. What I want to say is that if anybody has a local game store where they are able to regularly and reliably fire off legacy events, that they should not feel that Dual Lands is keeping them from joining those events. I'm not talking about GPs. I'm not talking about, oh, wait, there aren't legacy GPs. Well, you know what it's I like mean. like one, right? There's two. Uh, one. Two a year. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, I'm talking about if you've got... Uh, any location where legacy is played regularly that you are eyeballing and you say to yourself, well, like I, I, the reserve list is what's keeping me. That's not true. There are, without even thinking about it, we've named over half a dozen legacy decks that don't even need those dual lands and any reserve list cards on them are, are minor and, and doable and you can build towards and trade towards. And that should not prevent you from looking at those lists and being able to sit down and play some magic, which well, is what I'm all about and what I'm always advocating. Let's So let's continue this into the other additional reprint set that's been announced. And that's Conspiracy 2, the official name, Woo! what, The Return of Brago or something? The Rise of Brago? Uh, uh, I believe the official name is Conspiracy 2 Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's Electric Brogaloo. <laughs> yes, gotta laugh. All right. So we have what is that? What is the actual official name? I don't think any of us actually said it. It might be the... I don't know. It's Brago and it's a conspiracy set. Let's... Bra- Brago's Revenge. Yeah. That seems like a Donkey feel, Kong 2 Feel level. the Brago. Feel the Brago. Clapper's Cabin. <laughs> Brago's Revenge. So uh, tweet at us what the name is. <laughs> yeah. So, so the point here is, the point here is like, we, we've seen Eternal Masters as its own animal. I mean, the closest thing to Eternal Masters that we've seen, I guess you could say it's Modern Masters, but really it's Vintage Masters online is, is like... No, it's Modern Masters, because Vintage Masters, the purpose of that is like, hey, look, we can reprint anything we want. Look at how awesome these Black Lotuses are. Let's say it's somewhere between the two. But the point is, it's... So that we kind of don't really know what we're going to get. We'd like to think we know, but we've never had an Eternal Masters in, in paper before. I do know that Tom Lapeel was the head developer and designer for both Masters of Modern 2. Modern or Masters. Modern Masters 2 yeah. and uh, like um, sure. Eternal, Eternal Masters, Masters 2. So, may- so maybe we'll see some similarities. What we have seen is a conspiracy set. We had Conspiracy 1 a year ago, two years ago? Uh, two years ago. And it was fine. I-, I think I played it once, but more than that, the... 
there was an interesting effect that some of the reprints from the original conspiracy actually had. Uh, Stifle being a card that was dropped down in price based on that. Exploration was another card that was dropped down in price considerably. Uh, I think what's you- interesting about conspiracy, and this is partly, and I, I do want to get into this a little bit more fully later after we talk about it. Um, but conspiracy a was built four years before it came out. Right. It, it like they built it and then they didn't know when to release it for years. And eventually they found a window, but also, and more importantly, there was zero high profile modern reprints in that set. Everything was a legacy one brainstorm exploration for whatever reason. And I think partly because it was designed before modern, the price problem of modern kind of came into being right. There are no reprints for modern in that set. I don't think that's going to continue. No, but I do want to point out that the first set was a almost purely legacy oriented reprint set. Now, from the point of view, jumping outside of modern for a second with conspiracy, one of the coolest things about conspiracy was that the way one of the mechanics specifically, Will of the Council, was designed. Will of the Council became these cards where you, for those of that don't know, the, the ability Will of the Council stated, when you play this card, you can vote for X or you can vote for Y. If X gets the most votes or is tied for the most votes, it happens. So in a two-player game, if you're playing one-on-one with someone and you cast a Will of the Council split, you'll always get the version if it is tied for the most votes. So there ended up being some legacy implications because you had sort of like a kind of a white vindicate to some degree you had like coercive portal which is like sort of a draw an extra card per turn artifact for four there was a bunch of weird cards generally i mean there was just a bunch of odd cards and so that does add the fact that you get you got an odd mechanic that created powerful cards that were playable in legacy and i'm wondering if conspiracy 2 they're going to go less in that direction and more in the traditional direction of things that would be good in modern no i i well a the one thing you have to keep in mind is that nothing in conspiracy that is new will be legal and modern. Only cards that are have been printed in modern or legal and modern already will be legal that are printed in conspiracy. Agreed. Not not like they're introducing new cards so, to modern, but like do you think that rather than seeing a focus on weird cards that became legacy legal, you'll see more of a focus on modern reprints. That's I guess the Yes. Guess. Yeah. Sorry. Professor? No, uh, uh, I I would say that what I see when I and I was I was expecting Conspiracy 2 to be the summer set. I was talking to a lot of viewers who were like, do you think we're going to see Modern Masters 3 this year or this? And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's going to be Conspiracy 2 and the next year Modern Masters and I see this pattern. And then when Eternal Masters got announced, I was like, oh no, Conspiracy was too much oriented towards the casual player, towards the fun player, that sort of thing. And they've they've given it the axe. And when I heard them announce it, I just, I really was a big fan of Conspiracy. And I think when now I see this, looking for patterns and things, I see Eternal Masters as the, you can't get it, it's for collectors, it's going to be hard to wrangle a box, no kid is going to be able to get a hold of it, packs are going to be twice MSRP in the shop, and it's going to satiate that that segment of the magic playing population and then conspiracy two is going to get the full print run it's going to be widely available at msrp the boxes will still be 89 bucks online a a year after it's been printed and so i think that then they're going to dive right into this idea of multiplayer of politics of all the voting the voting was the thing that made conspiracy distinct that's what they're trying to take the sort of gameplay that naturally happens 
politically at a commander table and institutionalize it and almost, uh, I like to say it's mandatory fun. You're going to have to play this like a funny commander game sort of thing where everyone's voting and politicking. And I I think you're absolutely going to see that return. People loved things like uh, uh, cards that would have an effect while you were drafting, all that sort of stuff. Draft matter cards are really cool. Yeah, everybody, that was like the one thing, like, I heard, and again, everybody's impressions are different. My impression was that at least a lot of the spiky uh, pro players, at least in my circle at my game shop and my, you know, community, they weren't a big fan of Conspiracy, but they, even they had to acknowledge Draft Matters cards like that were freaking awesome. Right. Uh, uh, Everybody loved that. I I don't think they're going to shy away from it, because otherwise, why call it Conspiracy at all? Why have it? And isn't this odd, them doing the second summer set, and for a minute, everybody thought they were going to cancel from the Vault or the Commander series for the year, and they just said, nope, 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 those are both coming too. So why do both? And I say, ah, it's yin and yang. The the yin is eternal masters, and the yang is conspiracy two for the for the masses. That's well, that's my take on it. Uh, I also I, I do think with the new having schedule, seen no deck lists at all and knowing nothing and just <laughs> right. completely talking out of one of the holes in my body. I, I do think some of this does is based off of the new release schedule. There are two blocks a year and they have figured out that they have the ability to release more content uh, as a shot call that all people can tweet at me next year when I'm right and or tweet at me when I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to guess that, as you said, they're going to now use this August release schedule for a more overprinted or, or heavily printed or, or printed for, for everyone set block area. I'm predicting unglued three for 2017 in oh August. Oh, God. Please I don't, no. I don't necessarily want it, because that's the reason I left Magic the first time, but I'm predicting <laughs> it right now. Well, the only good thing about Unglued... Is the lands. Yeah. <laughs> Literally <laughs> we'll the see. Thing. We'll see what happens, but I, I do think they'll use that for a limited release, but like unlimited printing of that release until it's no longer popular set for the August thing, meant for more casual players. We'll giving Eternal Masters and Modern Masters repeat sets... During the June months, or July, June, June. Yeah. I mean, they're being careful. They're being careful to not tank the economy, which is like, I don't really. I, I guess I understand where players come from when they talk about price gouging and how frustrating it is to try to get into a format that is so expensive. I also understand that when prices are so high, it makes bannings particularly upsetting. But I'm also just like, when you're going to play a format like modern, a format like modern is a a heavily competitive format. Like you're supposed to. It's supposed to be a little bit of a barrier for entry. It should not be easy to get into modern the way that it's easy to get into standard. That's kind of just by nature the way it works. So if you want to get into it, you will find a way to get into it. Like I don't think that tanking the price on the economy by just just aggressive reprints, which is what some people call for, makes any sense. You don't want it. But to why just... shouldn't there be an easy point of access? Can't that coincide without tanking the entire economy? I'll give you an example. Up until this recent standard season, what was the? I, I don't know how much you guys play standard, being the masters of modern. But uh, typically, if somebody up until recently would say, "Well, what's the easy entry point into standard?" Nine times out of ten, someone's going to say, "Hey, just throw a red deck wins style deck together or a burn deck together." And, and that's dirt cheap, and yet we still had super expensive standard decks. We, we had a very vibrant standard economy, but there was that entry point where 
someone can play? I mean, describe the process that someone has to go through from scratch to get into modern. Does it take a five-year commitment into magic where first they have to start drafting, then they have to get into standard, then they're going to trade up? I mean, what do we need to do? Can't we have a, a, a certain baseline of entry? Do we really want the format to be, well, listen, this isn't for everyone. That doesn't seem like, like I, I just feel like, well, shouldn't there be an entry point? I mean, I'm not saying all decks everywhere, but what's the entry point? Uh, we there should be a doorway. We, we do often talk about many types of decks. Like you have the mono green stompy list that are available that can win your FNMs pretty consistently. You have the blue white uh, reflector decks that just kind of play bounce spells that we've I've tweeted lists of multiple times. And I mean, some of the problem is, is one of these decks is available and is tier one just under the radar. But as soon as it wins one of these GPs or pro tours, it loses that under the radarness and some cards will spike examples being merfolk or elves or lantern control these are all decks that you could have bought into forever knowing they existed and placed decently before that but didn't know they were going to be top tier until they won a gp and then you see some commons or uncommons rise to a price level that you might not be willing to buy into yeah i mean fully it's 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 what it's all it happens every time i mean i had this conversation at the local shop the other day a kid walked in he was talking to the shop owner about Okay, what what are the budget decks in modern to buy? And he was like, "Well, this is convenient. We have one of the guys from the podcast here. What do you think?" And I was like, thinking, I was like, "Well, you could try Merfolk." And I was like, "No, no, no you can't do that because the other vials are expensive, and you get." I was like, "Ah, so it's kind of cheap, but it's not that cheap." And then I was like, "Well, you could try Elves." And I was like, "No, you can't really get into Elves for that cheap. It's, it's well, there's not- only well, there's only two cards in Elves that are above." Ten dollars. I know, but just the heritage druids alone—that's almost a hundred dollars. Right, but the, it, look at standard. Even standard. Even if burn- hundred bucks is fair. Yeah, I, th- I think I think diving into a deck and spending under three hundred dollars for modern is an is a- allowable to ask. I don't think that's a ridiculous ask of someone trying to get into the format. Standard right now, and standard generally, yes, they're the mono burn decks, or there are tier two decks that aren't like right. just completely viable that you can play in standard, and those exist in modern. I mean, you can play blue white control decks that don't play fetch lands, or play or they play the standard legal fetch lands. I do think right now because standard legal fetch lands are cheaper than they normally would be, and shock lands are cheap forever right. for apparently you can buy into some of these decks pretty inexpensively well, i also think that and we, and we should move on from this but I, well, I do have one more point here one other thing to pay attention to is right now we're in this eldrazi winter and modern's about to become one of the least popular formats out there people are resisting to play it and we'll talk about eldrazi winter in a second yeah now is a great time to buy into these decks like that are generally good but aren't seeing play right now well and the thing is this is what i was going to say is from the from the point of view of approachability to a new player the magic economy just on the whole is a cyclical economy i mean that's based on the format that is popular in the given month and modern by nature because of the fact that there are so many viable decks and so whatever the deck that is sort of en vogue will be the one people focus on and popular decks fall out of favor you'll you'll notice you know, Grixis Control for right now is not as good of a deck as it otherwise was. So some of the some of the cards that are just good in a lot of decks will continue to be expensive. Some of the cards that might have been a big pain to get before, you can probably get for pretty cheap right now. If you're patient, you care about getting into the format and you you wait for the trends, you can get into modern for a reasonable price. You just can't be hair trigger and say, I want to get in right now. This is the deck I want to play right now, and I'm going to buy all the cards for that deck and expect to get a deal. It's just not; it doesn't work like that. There's also one other point that I remember when you mentioned that modern is a cyclical format. On this, um, everyone's freaking out right now about modern being expensive to get into because of these price gouging and these giant spikes. Because the pro tour happened, and we're now walking into modern season, and the modern pre TQ season is about to start. But in December, November, October, for months, 
a lot of these decks that are now very expensive and a lot of these cards, we were screaming, buy. This is the time. No one's playing it. But because no one was thinking about it, they didn't think about buying it then. And then the moment that they can't anymore is the moment they want to play. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, what happens. I mean, it's like instant gratification. Sure. And there's also, I mean, it depends on what your expectations are. I'm always advocating that, you know, are you looking to win a GP or are you looking to go down to your local game store and play? I mean, there are budget options in modern. It depends on your expectations. Right. Uh, you, I, I, I still will go down to both my local game store and log on to Magic Online and jam it out with my mono red Just Mountains deck for modern and I win. Uh, you know, uh, is it consistently every time first place? No, although every now and then it is. Uh, uh, and that's an incredibly affordable deck. The most expensive piece being Goblin Guides, which can be replaced with Monastery Swift Spears. It's about expectations. And so a lot of people look at that list and say, well, that's ridiculous. You need to be playing Naya Blitz if you're going to have any chance with that. So it's like, no, 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 no. I just want to sit down and play. And I Mono can still Red win. Burn was playable and- forever. Just because Naya Blitz has the extra five percentage points over it doesn't mean yeah. that mono red burn exactly. is still viable. And and that's and and that brings me to why I actually think it is in everyone's best interest for there to be a emphasis on what I guess I would call the casual modern player because what we need in modern is a little bit more to the mixture than just the spiky GP pro mentality. We need people coming into the stores playing at the PTQs or whatever just for fun, bringing in their homebrews, looking around. Modern has so much potential for homebrew. Modern has so much potential for people thinking outside the box. And actually where that comes from is when you get a a larger percentage of people making homebrew decks, Johnny-style decks, uh, 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 joke-oriented decks, things like that. And every now and then something goofy happens uh, and you get a new deck list. There have been a lot of comments that uh, 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 many modern decks that came onto the scene, all the pieces that were needed for them were available and just never tapped into for for a long period and then suddenly it was discovered more people playing means more experimenting modern just really could benefit from that and so when we do have an encouragement for average players to come on down and sit at the table with us and join us we start to see new things and new possibilities it's good for the whole format i, I think it benefits everyone which is why you know, tanking the economy is not something I'm advocating, but having more people at the table, people who aren't necessarily competitive-minded at the table for modern, it, it just is win-win. I mean, to speak to your point there, the, the classic example of what you're talking about was Amulet Bloom. I mean, Amulet mm-hmm. Bloom, Goryeo's Vengeance, these are decks that did completely exist. I mean, the same with the same with uh, with the prison deck. The Lantern Control. Lantern Control. Right. These They come out of the woodwork with pieces that had been around for forever, and people act surprised. I mean, the most fun I've had in modern period is the Superior Burning Cocoa deck that we've talked about on this podcast a million times. And I've played a lot of that deck, and it is borderline competitive. Now, granted, it plays a lot of good cards, but it's also trying to do some pretty wonky things. And I got to play a lot of the cards that I love to build that deck. Like cards that I really had always I always wanted to build a deck with Mirror Superior in modern. And it's right. borderline competitive. Like it's... Ev- Every week when I go down to Friday Night Magic for Standard, there's always a group of players who are saying they're bringing in a silly deck, they're bringing in something that they just threw together, and you never 
ever hear that in modern or you seldom hear that in modern at the events because it's so much more competitive minded spike minded uh pro player minded and i feel that that actually hurts us in terms of making those discoveries is, and making those discoveries means a diverse format what if there's an answer to the eldrazi out there that we need some goofy johnny style player to discover we gotta get more people at the table man well and and I do think the idea that people need to look at what is out there and be creative with what they're trying to play is something that needs to be encouraged more often. I think that part of this is just the... I do think Modern is still in its teenager status of a format. It is only you know four or five years old. And at this sure. point, you know the main onus on playing it has been previous to this, pre-TQ, you know, PPTQ events and GPs. Um, and just in the last year have FNM started like last only in the last year have stores been able to hold a modern FNM, a standard FNM and a draft FNM all at the same time. Up until yeah. last year, you could only hold two and most stores were afraid of doing anything other than standard or draft. Now they have the option to do more than those events and to see what is possible. And this is allowing some more of these homebrew home style decks to be allowed to be played. I mean, like we do nothing but encourage this type of gameplay on this podcast because we do think. You know, there are decks out there that people haven't discovered or haven't placed with that are good. Look at the Mono Blue Turns deck. Yeah. That, like, that is a deck oh, that... Oh, that's a great deck. Like, not expensive to pick up right now, has placed pretty decently, and I guarantee if you have someone like a Sam Black or even a Zach Elsack, someone that, like, is really good at that type of gameplay, take it to a tournament and spike a GP, tomorrow those cards will be way more expensive, but right now is the time to possibly be able to buy into it. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of reprinting because we're on this subject and this is the next thing on the outline wizards reprint policy so sam sodor recently wrote an article on wizard daily mtg talking about how most likely they're now unwilling to reprint any of these powerful cards you might be interested in standard they tried it with thought season mutavault and it was a disaster from their perspective even the fetch lands right now have been running into problems and the last couple times they've tried being with liliana the veil during m15 with um inquisition of kozilek during uh fate reforged and not fate reforged during um oath of the gatewatch and even with Goblin Guide over during the standard set, they basically tried it. It was in the design files, and they took them out because standard can't handle these mo stand standard can't handle these modern cards. And if they do force it into it, and it's a problem, then it makes standard a like it doesn't make standard the very new format they're looking to do. I think that the reason we're getting both Eternal Masters and Conspiracy Two is these are two years after they realized that modern is going to be a problem in this area. Modern, this is when like the Fetchlands first spiked was about two years ago. And they're now being, this is their, the fruits of those efforts of being like, okay, we need to come up with a real plan to have multiple reprint sets a year for modern to get some of these staples out there in a way that's actually attainable. Because yeah, because the modern masters, as we've all seen, is a very, very, very temporary reprieve. And then basically everything just goes back to normal, give or take a couple cards. Which is why I do think Conspiracy is going to have just a ton more reprints. But probably uh, not, not probably not at the mythic level, Professor. No. Yeah, I, I, what you just described sounds beautiful. You paint this picture of this utopia uh, <laughs> where we're. I, I, I would love that. I would not object to that. But again, as I mentioned at the beginning, I don't know that that's what we're gonna see. I actually have this feeling that the opposite is true. That they have said that the allure of this game is in the frantic scuffle 
for product. Uh, remember when we had the little, you know, uh, uh, to do with the Battle for Zendikar fat packs where everybody was sold out, nobody could get them, the stores were charging $80 for a fat pack and, and everything. There was a lot of people saying this is great for Wizards because it's creating a commotion about how badly everybody wants their product. And I feel that you're going to see, you know, Conspiracy 2, it's going to have a, you know, you want to show prove me wrong a year from now, go ahead. But I'm going to predict right now Conspiracy 2 has very few reprints. It's almost entirely going to be new cards. It's going to have a lot of new cards. And the cards that are reprinted are largely going to be for draft. And it's really just a selection. Like, ooh, we've got this one mythic here, this one rare here, this one uncommon here, and just this handful. Out of 256 cards, 16 that we need. That sort of 16, ratio. 16 specific cards could be huge of the format. If you have uh, Goblin Guide, uh, um, Damnation, uh, like they're like very specific cards that are very expensive. That if you included them in that set, and then on top of that, you have the reprints from Eternal Masters. Even if each of them only has sixteen cards, that's thirty cards that are currently overpriced, possibly being reprinted into the format. It's it's not enough. It's not enough. We need reprints of too much, and we need it on a level. We do. I, I mean, we need it on a level where. Uh, even just mana bases alone is more than 30 cards to be able to reprint what people need for mana bases, excluding That's not true. what's I mean, on the, res if, you if, know, p all of the fetch lands, all of the shock lands, the, the filter lands are $30 each right now. Uh, uh, whether you need it or not, it's absurd. But the, the actual, to build a modern mana base correctly, the main cards you need are the future site dual lands, which I could, I would be very surprised actually if we don't see reprinted in one of these two sets. Mm -hmm. You need the fetch lands, but you could supplement your enemy colored fetch lands with the standard colored fetch lands, and you can pick deck that those standard fetch lands are available. If the question is, we want every deck that you could possibly want to play in modern to be affordable for everyone, that seems unlikely and unfair, especially to people that invested. But saying that some of these decks will be available and, and, and easy to get your hands on or possible to get your hands on seems more likely. And with the Shocklands already being pretty cheap because they heavily overprinted them, with the standard fetches being available and the Future Sight, if they can reprint the Future Sight dual lands, those are really the main mana base pieces you need to play some of these decks in Modern. Well, let's also yeah. talk about let's talk about Eldrazi Winter. The it's end has come. The tentacle horror. horror has destroyed our lives. So, how many? It was six people in the SCG top eight. Uh, four of the top eight were Eldrazi decks. Okay, right? Because the other four were Affinity, Merfolk, Kiki Cord, and regular uh, command uh, uh, Bant combo, Abzan combo, uh, Coco combo, Coco. Oh sure, yeah, Band, yeah. Absent company, yeah. I think it was sure. Absent company. Uh, yeah, those were the, the but but like day two, it was like fifty percent plus of the day two field were Eldrazi mm. decks, right? Uh, well, I think if you look at if you take it up to the top twenty two, I want to say is the number that I was told. What's sixteen times two? Thirty two. Yeah, it was seventy five percent of the top thirty two was Eldrazi. So here's my thought. This is this is, and we've talked quite a bit about the fact that playing eight soul rings is too good like you if you have a deck that wants to 
and a deck that actually can play those and, and run smoothly with those cards. It's not like you're having to do like really, really like broken backwards things, like discard a bunch of cards to get that effect. It's like those are just your lands and they just cast the cards in your deck and that's what happens. So that's really good. The issue with this and the reason that there has to be a banning and there will be a banning in April is because there has been a ton of theory crafting as far as what beats the Eldrazi decks, but we're in the situation now where if you don't draw your answers, if you don't come out correctly against them, or they're on the play and they just have a nut draw, it didn't matter what you came up with because what they can inherently do is so powerful that other magic cards just don't match up. Like you, you really can't ignore what they're doing and try to go over the top because you won't be as fast as them as much of the time. So your percentage will just be lower. So basically you're having to jam your deck main deck full of a bunch of really, really narrow hate cards for a strategy that if you're on the draw might be too slow anyway, which is why there has to be a banning and, and the numbers are absurd. And that's what we're, where we're at. I mean, professor. Yeah. I I think, uh, obviously the smartest thing to do is to wait until, uh, the, uh, battle for Zendikar is about to rotate out of production and that's the optimum time to ban it. That way we can hopefully replace it with whatever is in the new set that's being released and uh, we can create a nice cycle going where whatever takes over modern is in the current set. No, I'm just kidding. Being snarky. Gonna, yeah, being snarky. Like, you're waiting for battle for, okay. Oh, but, but you know, I'll tell you the <laughs> truth. Like I'm being, I was, I was making a joke there, but I did hear people in all seriousness saying that they felt this is exactly what the company wants is, is that the, the deck that's dominating is using all of these cards from the current set uh, and that they created a need for it through a strategic banning and that if they play their cards right, no pun intended they can do another banning that shifts it again towards an emphasis on something in the next current set and and keep it going and you know what if the next banning update comes and they don't even ban this yet i i could almost not be surprised uh i don't understand why there's so much of a message from people kind of defending this state in modern, why there's so many people that are saying, well, you know, like, just give it some time, give it some time. Why? What, what is the point in giving this time? What, what are we gaining by it? Why is this, why is the message we shouldn't have an emergency ban? Why is that the message? I, I don't understand that. I genuinely don't. Everything about the splinter twin ban to me seems like it was a huge mistake that it went against the bible of modern that it it did nothing but hurt players in the format everything about these eldrazi decks and yes i know the two are not as related as people make them out to be that it was a bad coincidence of of happening at the same time and people are associating them with one another not necessarily true but you know uh, uh having this domination of the eldrazi decks this is not a good thing for for modern as well you know what i'd say is i wish tomorrow morning I woke up to uh, uh, ban Eldrazi Temple, unban Splinter Twin, apologize, move on. I, I think that'd be the healthiest thing in the world. Well, so uh, uh, first with the Splinter Twin ban, I do want to say that it's unfair right now to judge what the format would look like without it based on the Eldrazi format. Be- and you mentioned it yourself, they're not necessarily related. And I do think yeah, that sure. Eldrazi, because of Thought Nuts here, would have a pretty decent matchup against the Splinter Twin decks. It wouldn't have a... Like, 100% of the time I win, but I think it has some play there anyways. I do think that an emergency ban based off of 
moto numbers and an SEG event is not fair. And I do want to wait till after the GPs. And by the time we wait for these GPs, we're going to be a month out from the ban restricted announcement anyways. And I think that is why Wizards is waiting. Yeah, and Classically, so- SEG events aren't known for their creative oomph on how to fix a format. If you look at the standard SEG event before a Pro Tour, uh, when a set rotates, and then the actual Pro Tour metagame, 99% of the time, they're drastically different. And the top eight doesn't even show up at that SCG event. Yeah, completely. Let me, let, me ask you, let, me, let me ask you a question. Is there any doubt in your mind, is there any doubt in your mind that at the next update to the ban list that Temple should be banned? Uh, well, I mean, I'm, 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 no, I'm not reasonable. sold that it shouldn't be Ugin. But. I, I... <laughs> okay, Temple or Ugin. But, like, do you feel, do you, do you feel that, like, look, we're t- you talk about a jury and you talk about the concept of reasonable doubt. Is there any reasonable doubt that you possess? And I, I really, I actually thought that when they banned Twin that, there was so much noise about it, and out of and I'm not just saying this, but out of all the noise that I heard, honestly, the podcast that you guys did talking about the twin ban was this was just the the one thing I would recommend for people to listen to. Oh, thank you. I thought you hit it out of the park. Thank you. There was so much noise, so much chatter, and I I almost tuned it out. And I sat down and I I, I put it on because I'd heard read so many articles, and and you guys just really hit it out of the park with that. You said everything perfectly. You really had a grasp on it. So. <laughs> Honestly, when we talk about the concept of, of reasonable doubt, the next ban update, when it takes place, either Temple or uh, I, whatever, is there any reasonable doubt that we're going to hit that point? It's like, yeah, we don't need to ban either of these, or, or, or this needs to end. And if the answer is yes, this needs to end, what are we waiting for? Well, because I think Eternal promise policy. Yeah, the, and, right. and also, like, like people bought these cards after the result of the Pro Tour, thinking, okay, these are powerful, these are cool, this is exciting, there's, there's modern Grand Prix coming up, like, I want to be playing for the next season because this is what's hot. They, if those people who bought those cards... Right after the twin banning, have the rug pulled directly out from under them. They have to give it at least like right well, well, now. And from an emergency perspective, Wizards has a policy, an official policy in the books that legally or not legally, whatever you want to say, law, but they will ban cards in formats at these expressly stated times. So as a buyer of that product, I can assuredly know that I'm going to be able to have these cards unless this moment happens. And Aaron Forsyth has doubled down on Twitter saying, no, we will not be emergency banning, leaning on the side that saying like, oh, it's a policy they have to follow. Fine, they're following the policy. And as far as modern goes, if this was in the middle of the PTQ season or the pre-TQ season and modern pre-TQ season, I'd be much more worried. If the general format was being enforced and forced to be played by stores locally every week for the next month and a half, then there would be more of an argument to me of having to emergency ban because that's a situation where you're falling into like, I'm forcing my players to play a format that is bad. There is three GPs and a few SCG events before now in the ban thing. I think they're letting the format see if they can figure it out. I am 75% sure. So I would say there is a small reasonable doubt that it's possible it might go away. I think it's possible someone might be able to figure out a way to stop it. Possibly. No. What? It, you, I don't. I don't think there is. I think it's going to be bad. I'm like very positive. You can't positive argue against what I said. Like yeah, no, I agree. That that is the way that like just from the basic point of view that like it's what they are able to do is faster than any hate you can come up with. The the funny thing about this though is that really what it comes down to, the mana base is the problem, but the card that actually makes the deck a problem. Is thought not seer? 
That's the, both. Well, here's the deal. It's, if Wasteland existed in the format and they reprinted Wasteland in the modern, this deck wouldn't be as much of a problem. Right. But, but it doesn't exist. It doesn't. There's but, no reasonable main deckable card that most decks are playing that can hate it out. And the type of effect that would hate it out is frowned upon in modern magic. I mean, when I say thought nuts here, like, Professor, do you understand where I'm coming from with that? Like, the, the, yeah. the issue is... It's it's no, like the fact that you can play so quickly, but it's also like that deck would have no point of actual relevant interaction, interaction if it couldn't play a turn like turn two four sure. four Vendillion click like sure and that's the real it's, issue and it's and it's so, blatantly but, but, better but than so <laughs> so what what I want to touch on is this point that you're talking about and this is the thing where I'm just you know in such a different position because when you say well if we were at a different point in the season then this would have a different implication but that's exactly it okay I go down to my local game store every Saturday and Thursday night which is when modern tournaments were held and for the last you know, uh, a huge amount of time, those have been packed events, 24 people and up, coming in, playing modern, and they're not firing anymore. Why aren't they firing anymore? Well, uh, the 20% deck of people the... don't want to play. Right. And so when you say, well, we've just got this much time and this is going to happen, and then it's like, it's a seasonal thing, and that's exactly the thing that takes this format, the format that your entire podcast is based around, <laughs> I might add, and positions it as not a real format. This isn't a regular thing. This is a seasonal thing. This is not a thing that you can go down to and play at your local game store every week. It's only when it's in season. It's only if when it's in season, it's going to have the right conditions. People aren't going to want to play it, and that's exactly the thing that I personally uh, you know, feel we should should be fighting against. I feel that this is the sort of format that should be going on not seasonally, the Pro Tour is seasonally, but every single week events should be going on at your local game store in this. We should be looking at this as a healthy, long-term part of Magic the Gathering. But we did and that exactly we did that with the pre-TQ schedule and the result was that stores would just not run modern pre-TQs. Hmm. When they had, you can pick standard, modern, or sealed any for any of your pre-TQ, it just ended up being standard or, or, or sealed because even if you're, and you know, almost every community has that one legacy or modern store, and so they would do the modern one, but for the most part, stores would say, even if I have a decent modern group, by having standard, I'm going to get my store and all of the other stores' standard groups, and I'm going to be more. There's more of an incentive. By, sure, but by, I mean, you can never fight against that because we're 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 taking the rug out from underneath our own feet. Well, we but, need to build. I mean, you can. I mean, you can't fight that specific word with the pre-TQ situation by enforcing a modern season, which has been successful in the past. What I do think, mm. and I do agree with you on, is that Wizards needs to focus on not just the pre-TQ seasons as the most important thing moving forward. But in that regard, I do think that they have a policy that they established, and I don't that I can remember, what was the last emergency ban in Modern Magic? There's never been one. So, like, Wizards has basically just made a promise to the world, and, like, a promise that I would argue is probably very, very, very similar to uh, the restricted list, that... They ban cards on their announced ban and restricted list announcement days. That's yeah, how but they if, follow but the you, policy. Yeah, but if you went by Wizards' promises, then Splinter Twin wouldn't have been banned. That's them breaking their promise I, anyway. No, and, but and, no, and, no. And, they and, promised three things with Splinter Twin. The three things they promised were A, or not, not Splinter, with the ban list for Modern. One was diversity, one was um, speed, and one was an ethereal thing they decided on. But 
<laughs> but but Splinter we, Twin falls under one of those things. I mean, despite the fact, and you mentioned the podcast we did on that, we defended the decision at the time based on the idea that there are fun things that can happen that could have happened if Eldrazi yeah. hadn't come up. However, yeah. that being said, aside from those things, I still think that it was sacrilegious to ban Splinter Twin in modern. Like I don't, I don't yeah. like the fact that that was the decision and the way the decision was made. And we know from experience on the Tom Lapilli episode, the first one talking about why pro tours and modern are a problem that the reason that that ban happened, we know exactly precisely why it happened. He even shot called it a little bit, uh, way ahead of time. So, yeah, you know, like it's to me that the idea of an emergency banning in modern, do you need it? I mean, look, if you were going to emergency ban these cards, then you would have just had to have emergency banned treasure cruise because like, at the time that that was happening, when Treasure Cruise and, and Blue Red Delver decks and Ascendancy decks were just everywhere, I mean, it was the same level of unfair. It was like... That's fair, they, yeah. And, and the lesson they learned, and this is part of it, this is somewhat of a lesson they learned in the past. With the Treasure Cruise bans and the Delve bans, when they first came on the scene, everyone was like, oh my god, we need to ban Jeskai Ascendancy. That card is so broken, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And look at where we're all now. Uh, That's part fair. of it, I think, what they're doing with the GPs is maybe seeing what should they ban. Should it be Temple? Should yeah. it be I? Should it be Thought Not Seer? I it, don't, it, it should be I it, or it Temple. Be. But, one of the <laughs> but okay. like, I definitely think you know they're doing the best they can to gain data, and I don't think a single SCG event is enough data for them or me personally. And I do think they'll ban something. I am 100% positive that we are getting a ban during the Shadow of Ernest Straw ban of restricted announcement. It will be I. And the reason it will be I is because if you don't ban I, you still have the I Urborg mana base, and you can still get the completely busted above two mana extra mana on turn one. Like, you can get Mimic and Endless One, or you can get, like, Mimic, Mimic, Mimic. Like, you can get, like, three, like four or six mana on turn one, <coughs> which... Temple yeah, but is temp a Temple with Vesuva makes it so you can play the deck pretty close to what it is. You don't get the crazy broken starts, but you get a pretty... That's the problem. I don't know which card they're the, They might ban both. We had it's a conversation. possibly walk into the day, and they're like, I have Ugin and Eldrazi Temple are both banned. I, I had a conversation with Brown about the, the Vesuva plan, and he said they tested Vesuva heavily during, during testing for the Pro Tour just to see how it interacted with Temple, and that it's... It makes the deck extremely... It makes the deck extremely average and, and like... Powerful, but like not a not like aggressively powerful, not like broken. Like I, I have the but same thought. What happens thought. when you open an Eye of Ugin expedition and it's banned? Right. I mean, that's really tough. <laughs> I mean, that is super, super, super. Hey, tough. I would still, I would still rather open the Eye of Ugin expedition post ban than open one of the uh, land lands expeditions, of which I've now opened two. How, well, here's a question. Do you call what? them land lands? <laughs> yeah, I call them land lands because they need lands when they come into play. Yeah. They're what? land lands. What They're if, land lands. What I'm team guys... Tango Land. Hashtag Tango Land. <laughs> nah, uh, my vote is land lands is my number one choice. <laughs> Number two is have lands. That's it. What about what? Well, if I like land lands. What's your what's yours, Ben? Uh, I just like calling them battle lands. Okay, so tweet at us hashtag battle lands hashtag land lands and hashtag tango lands. My question Do is, is what, land lands. What if you were to ban? This is just a radical idea, and we should move on from this because I think we're harping on it. But uh, my idea was like, what if you were to ban Thought Not Seer and Reality Smasher from Modern? Like that. What? That seems the least likely because Agreed. those are their brand new cards that they want people to play with while. And I think if you ban Ivugan or Temple, both of those cards are still playable in the format and good. Then they want that to happen. But I think what you kind of mentioned this before that this is like Wizards almost tried to make this happen. Conspiracy, hmm. Brago's returning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, the 
in reality, I think they knew this was a possibility and then were excited that this would be probably good. And I don't think they realized to what extent this would happen. I, there's no way they did this on purpose to the extent where people would stop going to stores and tournaments. They don't want Cobblade 2, and that's literally what we're in. Worse than Cobblade. This is what I don't understand. When they talk about not testing for modern, it's like they don't test for modern. I know, but like why this don't is, they? This, well, is, this I, is what I don't it, get. It's like it's like okay, you think that reprinting Ayavugan and Eldrazi Temple are good enough ideas that you want them in the modern reprint set. So you know, you know for a fact those cards are going to be in modern. People are going to have copies of them from their experience last summer. Now you're printing cards that 100% by virtue of those cards you've promoted being in Modern will become inherently unfair. And it does not take much to figure out the two Eldrazi lands and the two cheap Eldrazi spells you're printing are going to pair together and be totally, totally busted. Like, I mean, it, it, took, it took six months between... Not six months. It took three months from Battle for Zendikar coming out for people to start actually playing the black-white Eldrazi list with those lands legal. Second, it took... Andrew Brown's team and Team Channel Fireball, the only really teams that took the actual serious Eldrazi deck seriously, weeks of the best players in the country only playing modern for six hours a day. Wait, six hours a day to figure out that this is by far the best deck, period. And Wizards can't test the new cards against other players other than Wizards players. That's the problem. Wizards can't take a modern deck playing their new sweet cards they're printing to the local FNM and play against other modern decks. The only people they can play against these cards are other Wizards employees. They're the only people that can see these new cards. Yes. So every moment they spend on that is... That's not... I mean, it's not absurd. Like, they can't. They can't show... Like, they can't go to a local game store with a modern deck with Thought Not Seer a year before Thought Not Seer comes out and be like, oh, this isn't... This is... This is new cards... You, you can't see these, but I'm going to play it against you. Well, like, okay. I, no, no, no. Because the, the fact that they don't test for modern. Sure, the they just need to hire. They need to hire four people or two to four people. Maybe the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> or six. Or six. Or six. Maybe eight. <laughs> whatever yeah. whatever number. Like, maybe hire two and then have those two people's job to be test for modern and then encourage other. No, I wasn't, I wasn't commenting on the. I wasn't saying absurd that they can't go down to the store, obviously, right, right. that aren't printing yeah, yeah, yeah. tests. What I say is absurd is the fact that they don't test for it. Sure. And, and when you compare to the fact that, you know, six hours or whatever you were saying and, and, and they cracked it, they need to just hire some more people. They're making enough money. Hire another team. And they, I've read all the stuff that you have. I've read all the stuff that you have where they said, well, it, it takes too much time and this and that. And it's like, well, if you're going to have this format, you need to test for it at this point. You can't have this right. go on every year. You need to hire some people, spend some money, get some pros in there, they're certainly big on hiring pros to go work at Wizards. Hire some modern pros and and give them a job. And also, I mean, the, the, your your comment about it took people six months. Alex, the difference between Oblivion Sower and Endless One, like one's a five mana sure. card that sure, doesn't sure, have sure, haste sure, sure. and is targetable. The other one is really cute. You can get Isimaru on turn one. Right, you can get a four four on turn two. The point there is also that they have less time with small sets than they do with large sets. The test it's standard, even not just yeah. They it do. Just, I it, mean, like. More to the point, I agree with the professor. I think they just need to hire two people that their job is to focus on modern, and then they bring in other people at the company during the do top eights once a week, maybe with the new cards to be like, "Hey, we just want to do one tournament. Let's play it, see how it goes." Oh, it's broken. Great. All right. So you should make sure that lightning bolt can kill it. Right. Right. Like thought that's here should be a four three. Or we need right. to be aware that like these lands are too good, and so you need to make for whatever reason get be prepared to ban in their defense it would it would have been ridiculous if wizards just banned ayavugan the day before the the pro tour before the pro tour <laughs> happened yeah everyone would have been like that's insane 
and yeah. and that would have been hilarious and though I'm, in retrospect. Oh, yeah, just in retrospect, like right. like like imagine getting to travel into an alternate reality where they just did that and you're the only one who knows about <laughs> what it would have done and everybody would be like they're out they're out of their minds. <laughs> right. And like beyond that, I'm glad they created these colorless Eldrazi cards. I don't I I'd much rather them create cool, powerful, awesome, interesting cards than not. So like Yeah, I mean Thought Nuts here, I wonder I just wonder like will Thought Nuts here just be a card that once they make the Eldrazi banning, it just turns out to just be a modern staple in other decks anyway? I wonder. And I mean, Reality Smashers. Absurd. I think Thoughtnotseer and Eldrazi uh, are both playable in other decks. First off, I think Tron will go to playing Thoughtnotseer as a four of probably just once it's a viable again when there's not three five fives attacking yeah, in turn two. It's true. I mean, just Tron. I mean, and to that end, like. Okay, so ban Ilugan because it weakens Tron slightly, but also means that now Tron gets to play Thought Not Seer and, and draw. Yeah, Reality makes... Smasher. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's what will happen. I think Ilugan is the card that goes away. Yeah, and I think it makes Boy, no sense. I, your 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 calm words have really quelled the, the rebellious <laughs> fire in me. I gotta say, we, no, we, I'm, I'm serious. Like I feel a lot better. I feel a lot better about modern. At this point in the podcast, than I did ten minutes before sitting down to record this podcast. <laughs> well, that's, that's but it was very depressing to go in three weeks in a row to two of the weekly modern events at my local game store that were firing with giant crowds, and have neither of them fire for that many weeks in a row, and then to hear lots of reports of similar things happening. Agreed. And I looked at that, and I love this format, and I love playing it so much. And I just looked at that, and I just felt like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, it's gonna, it'll, it'll revert. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of it for today. <laughs> We're at an hour and ten minutes, so I don't want to keep going too long. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's what we kind of, that's the news of the, the month. We it got, we got intense, reprints. It was, it was an, an intense debate. I mean, there was a lot of discussion here. It's the n- I feel like you guys won the debate, and I'm, I'm, I, I never say that. I always say, like, like you can listen to a command zone where I, I said to Jimmy and Josh, I feel like you guys ganged up on me. Like, like I, I, I never say that, but I'm going to say that here. I actually feel like I've been convinced at the end of this podcast. You have, you have convinced me. Uh, uh, at the end of it, not to say that some of my points didn't have merit, but you know what? You're right. I'm going to say it. You're right. Yeah. I, I want you to know that there's no sweeter sound in the world than someone saying that to me. <laughs> yeah, Kessler, Kessler is like, Kessler is uh, the, he's like the most just like argumentative, just debates, down just my to back. debate. I mean, I uh, think, I think to some degree, some of the interactions we've had with with folks we've met who actually listen to the podcast, which we don't get to meet in person unless we travel that many of them. But the ones we have had, you know, there's a sense <coughs> that we get from people where they're like, I like the tone of it, right? I like the tone of the podcast and the way you guys approach modern, which I think to some degree is kind of our, that's like what we pride ourselves in is that we, we love magic, but we are not winning pro tours. We're, we're really more interested in playing modern and enjoying modern and, promoting creativity uh, in modern and keeping uh, the format won, healthy. I've won eight Pro Tours. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't, on, on, I'm actually John eight, Finkel. Only eight? Did you take like a hiatus or something? Well, yeah, you know, Unglued kind of pissed me off, so I stopped playing for <laughs> eight years, yeah. but I won every Pro I, Tour I've, before I've that. You won every Unglued Pro Tour? Yeah. Popper <laughs> Pro Tour and every Canadian Highlander Nice, Pro good. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I just, I barely, I, I hit, I top eighted those, though. I was pretty happy about Yeah, it. yeah, I remember that. I remember your uh, uh, mono blue aggro deck for that. That was a good one. Yeah, but, you know, I want to thank you, Professor. Thanks for coming on. I'm glad that we were able to calm some of your fears about the format. And, and I mean, you know, the bannings are coming. We have one month gritting our teeth. But uh, 
Yeah. I feel satiated. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, where, where can people find you? YouTube, baby. Come find me on YouTube. Just type in the words Tellarian <coughs> Community College. Type it into YouTube. Type it into Google. Just type it into the address bar. You don't need to do W. Just type it in, and it'll like use the Yahoo search to bring you to me. Find me on YouTube. Uh, we've got videos, product reviews, deck techs, all kinds of stuff. Uh, come check it out. That's the place to come is to me on YouTube. And, and if you're so inclined, please hit that subscribe button. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Helps a lot. Helps a lot. <laughs> uh, speaking of random video content, so because the Patreon kind of worked, I started Twitch streaming because I was able to pay a person like 10 bucks to teach me what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we, I'm doing that now. Look at Twitch. I'm Xander574 on Twitch.tv, or you can just look up my last name. Xander. Uh, you'll find X. Yeah, X A N D E R 574. Uh, you can also follow us. We are at the MMCast on Twitter. That is where we do like. 99% of our interactions. We we will argue with you if you disagree with us. We will calmly yes. talk to you about how great things are <laughs> if you don't. <laughs> and we're going to start with the, one of the things on the Patreon that we mentioned earlier is that we're going to start taking Deck Doctor submissions from you guys, your ideas on modern decks. We're going to take only submissions from those that have signed up for the Patreon at the $5 level. That's like... Right. Because otherwise we... And we already... The email already is quite full of them and we read all of them but like the ability to actually do it on a podcast and talk about it on a podcast is not something we could do with every single submission because it would be and we've and we've already reached so we will be doing a live streamed recorded it'll all be audio podcast on twitch uh once a month from now on and it most likely will be often these deck doctor episodes yes so we will take your idea we will break the idea down we will discuss the, the construction of it our suggestions go kind of through a gauntlet all that type of stuff as well as video content that'll be coming up soon so check that out go to the patreon yep. and uh and, and let us know your thoughts uh, also i'm gonna be at gp Detroit. like oh you're 99 sure i'll be there on friday and uh saturday okay so people can come say hi i don't know if i'm actually playing in it but i will be there my mom's in town that looking weekend. all looking all go. Uh, I'm gonna have to take your suit and be all. The, I'll be the handsome one. You can take one of them. <laughs> no, I'm gonna take all of your suits with me. I need to decide. I don't want to decide ahead of time. You all right. Bring like seven uh, suits. You, also, make sure you guys check out the Command Zone. Uh, they do awesome commander content. We talked about them at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you want, if you want to just like an easy, smooth intro. If you haven't listened to them before, I was on one of the episodes. I did the Mirren episode a couple weeks back. So yeah, check them out. Jimmy and Josh are the best. Oh, and, then, and if you love the movie Mortal Kombat from 1995. Uh, my action movie anatomy action movie podcast that I do for the Popcorn Talk Network, we got basically convinced by the fans of the show, even though Mortal Kombat is not a movie that like hits our rules, we just put it up for vote and it like crushed the vote. Everyone wanted us to do Mortal Kombat. So we're going to be doing a full discussion, background, all of it on Mortal Kombat on the episode on Wednesday. So uh, find that. This might be a bonus episode for the Patreon, but I would love to record a podcast episode of me disagreeing with your rules on what an action movie is. Yeah, I don't think we need to do that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, once again, thank you, Professor, for jumping on the cast. I hope you had a good time. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, express thank you to all the Patreon donators. We will be doing all the little Patreon things uh, starting next week where we re like read your names off and we play maybe play one of the messages. So get ready for that. Um, and yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks very much, guys. Bye, everyone.